Welcome to the Women in Music podcast. I'm Tara Summers. As you likely know by now, the music industry has always been male-dominated, and even with influential women musicians on the forefront like Taylor Swift and Dolly Parton, women are still very much underrepresented in the music world. Country music in particular has been rather slow in its strides towards gender equality, and this can certainly be linked to its roots grounded in conservative tradition. I'm back today with guest Heather Lee Stanley, who has more than 22 years of experience in radio. Last episode, we talked about the Annenberg Inclusion Initiative research on the lack of representation in the music industry. To hear more about this, be sure to check out the last episode. Their latest annual report showed that women are severely underrepresented in music. Well, and radio was a gatekeeper for that, too. Because for the longest time, I, I like to think, I mean, I haven't really, guess I haven't listened to the radio hard enough to <laughs> at all the stations to see if this has changed. Um, your programs that decide what goes on air, you can actually divide songs by gender. You don't play two females back to back. It is so, so interesting to hear you talk yeah. about this because I was just, I really wanted to talk about the Tomato Gate scandal. Okay. Do you know? You know no, the, I don't. So... An investigation had ensued in 2015 after the Tomato Gate scandal in which radio consultant of over 40 years, Keith Hill, referred to female musicians as tomatoes in the metaphorical country music salad um, (laughs) that women should be sprinkled sparingly in country music radio station airplay rotations. He said that the lettuce is Luke Bryan and Blake Shelton, Keith Urban and artists like that. And he said that if you want to make ratings in country music, take females out. And that's a direct quote from him. According to Hill, he based his standards on his music tests that he had accumulated over the years, which included more than 300 client radio stations. Mm -hmm. And he argued that country radio is principally a male format with a smaller female component. So exactly what you were just saying. And I think, and here's what's interesting. I mean, I can see that with country music and that is still an issue with country music when you look at how many female artists there are, period. You know, like for example, if uh, Little Big Town, Mm. is that a male artist or female artist? Uh, Well, female singers. So that's what, that's who you hear. And that would be considered a female artist. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, you didn't play two females, back to back there's still that idea and a lot of those you know yeah I could see where that could be skewed okay well how are you measuring it are you playing a playing a song by Luke Bryan and then putting some female artist that hasn't sold as many albums yeah who's gonna win well if nothing else familiarity it's gonna be Luke Bryan put him up against Taylor Swift see how that works yeah (laughs) (laughs) really Yeah, it's well, he had said that out of 40 of those 300 music bases that he was pulling, the percentage of females in the one with the most was only 19 percent. So the lack of representation, I guess it does make sense there. But, you know, there were a lot of leading women of country who came forward and were like, no, Mm -hmm. this is wrong. Skewing it this way is going to negatively impact us more from entering the business. So. Martina McBride had appeared on CBS this morning and she talked about issues that women were facing in the music industry and she reflected on, you know, that lack of the genre's leading men in the conversation. She called them out because you're not speaking on this. So program directors have been enforcing, you know, a strict rule of not playing two women back to back since the 1960s. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some people say, oh, it's for the sake of balance. You know, apparently having equal women songs... (laughs) is not balanced. In order to have a, a, a scaled radio station, you have to have less women in order to achieve that. So it, it, it's really, I don't, it, it, to me, it's really ironic. And 
In some aspects, though, the music that women were putting out in general, the the tempos and the sound codes, it would be different. And so that was one aspect of the balance that they were going for. Mm -hmm. But it's all... And that makes sense. You don't want to put a fast song next right after a a slow song. It just doesn't work. Especially with a lot of women's songs that get popular. Usually Mm -hmm. it's romantic songs. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're more oftentimes acoustic maybe and they're going to have a slower tempo so I I do get that but I think it also has to do with industry status and socio-cultural differences and then you have somebody like Dolly Parton who is the industry you know she her story uh, I love her story because she started in I think she started in the late 50s but in the 60s in particular 60s and 70s she was with Porter Wagner and she wanted to step out on her own and she made an agreement that whatever song she wrote she owned that was not happening with female artists in particular Mm -hmm. now it's so difficult to own your own music as it is and she said I made sure that I owned my own music and she said they let me and she said and she said now she's so happy because after Whitney Houston did that song (laughs) (laughs) remade I will always love you (laughs) She made so much money off of it and continues to make money off of it. But, Mm. um, you know, you just see like even recently you look at someone like Taylor Swift, who is fighting, you know, having to re-record her masters in order to get just to own the rights to them. Yeah. To own the rights to the songs that she wrote or co-wrote. Yeah. For her latest documentary that came out, her Mm -hmm. Miss Americana, she was not even legally allowed to include her own music Mm -hmm. that she had wrote about her own life and performed herself in her own documentary because she didn't own the rights to them and they had tried to manipulate her into we'll sign this we'll kind of censor you you can't say any bad things about us anymore about your old record label we'll talk about giving you some more leverage with that and so she went she put them on blast and she went public with it and it has been a really big thing and it's something that I didn't really know was an issue I always assumed that she did own them no matter Mm -hmm. who she was with and it's shedding light on the fact that there are so many different loopholes that people have to go through in music in order to just own their own things. Well, that she had to buy back her masters. Mm. That was the whole thing. Do you want to buy back your masters? And it's like, why should she have to pay for mm. They wouldn't let her they wouldn't let her put a bid. Right, right. It's like why should you have to pay for something that you created? You yeah. know, and yeah, copyright that was what that was my, my thesis in graduate school. Um <laughs> it was piracy and copyright. And it's just amazing how those laws work and you know those type of situations where you have people making money off of like Taylor Swift who is one of the few artists that is making a lot of money still off of her music she doesn't tour that much Mm. nor does she have to but it's very rare because she's one of the very few people that sell you know platinum yeah and when she does when she does tour it's stadium tours at this point right it's world domination type tours right Something that that you just made me think of, referring back to the Tomato Gate scandal. (laughs) Sorry to take us back that far. (laughs) In continuation of of what I was saying, you know, the long term consequences of that, what they were doing with withholding women's music, uh, women's songs on the radio rotations Mm -hmm. and doing that and applying that to the program quota. Female artists were limited in the space available, obviously, on the playlist. And then that Mm -hmm. made it even more challenging for up-and-coming female artists to break into the industry and mar- further marginalized them. Mm-hmm. It contributed to a culture of misconduct wherein women are expected to adhere to the jurisdiction of those in power over them. Mm-hmm. And even women's music that was considered too 
hard would not receive airtime mm-hmm. like the Dixie Chicks for instance yeah you know you have like Gretchen Wilson's kind of rough sounding influence especially if it's politically outspoken music um mm-hmm. you know songs that are more controversial like the Dixie Chicks those were replaced by the more poised and polished Carrie Underwood or Taylor Swift young mm-hmm. Taylor Swift um because they were just hard enough just pushing the envelope enough but they weren't making people uncomfortable I don't see people saying, well, men can't go and and talk about this or they can't be outspoken or they can't show whatever they want. (laughs) I think I think with the Dixie Chicks was kind of a separate issue because it wasn't necessarily about being female as it was not being conservative. Yeah, because country radio is very conservative. Mm -hmm. So at the same time, they had their incident where they're getting their their CDs burned and, you Mm -hmm. know, rolled and all that stuff. You have Toby Keith. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> releasing songs about you know want, what he wants to do with the Taliban uh, <laughs> with a couple of you know radio friendly cuss words dropped in and so yeah I think it is because I remember uh, you know you look at somebody like Martina McBride now her song Independence Day is considered a classic but it was scary yeah I don't know how many men were like oh that's scary well don't abuse your house won't get burned down yeah <laughs> <laughs> easy <laughs> goodbye earl nobody complained about goodbye earl yeah i thought that one was a little bit over the top for me mm. i was like mm, killing the guy no i don't know <laughs> but i mean yeah there there definitely is that double standard mm-hmm. they do want someone that's a little i don't know but miranda lambert's doing well yeah and miranda lambert's not you know a shrinking violet she's not no she's pretty rough around the edges yeah yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I'm hoping that that's changed a little bit, but I think it's interesting because you have, I would definitely call her the godmother of, you know, grandmother of country, Mm. Dolly Parton. Yes. She's very nice in her opinions, but she has definite opinions about things. Yeah. And for her to, some of the things that she has said recently, you know, about equality and about Mm. uh, race and Black Lives Matter and stuff. That's very much against, I'm not saying against everybody that's in the country music industry, but mm-hmm. it's not something that, um, it's definitely a different point of view than what her, maybe her listenership yeah. would have. And yet she's been outspoken. She's been around for a while. So maybe it'll be more normalized. Mm. But yeah, it is, it is kind of sad. Um, I work with another woman and we're just pitted against each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they're not deliberately doing that, but there's this kind of understanding. But then there's a competition thing where it's female. If you had, you know, been a male or if it had been, a, yeah, I think it would be different. Yeah. The same thing when when I would try to do voiceover work and they were like, well, we already have two females. We're good on females. But they have like 20 males. Yeah. Proportionally, that doesn't seem uh, like you have enough females, actually. <laughs> and And the two that they had, I mean, they're great. But they were busy. I'm like, I'm more available. I can do things. I have a different sound than they do. There's things I can do that they can't. You know, we all have a place. But no, they already had they had their quota of of females. And so the same thing with that. It's like, well, we've already got five female country artists. Yeah. You know, we, we can't have another one. Yeah. And I mean, I, female artists are repeatedly told, you know, there's just one spot at a time for women artists. And mm-hmm. I mean, as a result, women are pitted against one another to compete in a ways that they shouldn't, you know. And since they're forced to compete for a spot on station playlists, they're increasingly reluctant 
to criticize the system out of fear of further backlash and censorship mm-hmm. and not being able to get out there. And for an up-and-coming artist, that has got to be yeah. especially intimidating. Yeah. There's a show, Nashville. Well, it used to be a show. <laughs> it was canceled. Um, you can still find it, like, on Hulu or something. I love that show. The reason I did is because, yeah, that's real life. Mm. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's about the country music industry in I Nashville. Wanna, I want to see it. No, it's really good. The acting is really good in it, too. Mm. But, yeah, there's a lot of, yeah, they, they address some of those things. One of the uh, main characters is an aging, um, I guess she's kind of like, for lack of a better word, she's kind of like a Reba. Mm. Had kind of like a Reba career and was very popular. And now she's aging and having to adapt to new technology. And there's a lot of things talking about aging in there. There is, you know, a couple of young females and how they're having to compete with one another. And the reason I like it, my husband can't watch it because, you know, he was in country radio. He's a music director in country radio for a while. And he would go to Nashville, you know, for whatever kind of event they would have mm-hmm. and talk to these people and he's he'll tell you it's it's so real life it's you know i mean there's some parts that are dramatized but the majority of it i mean that's just how the music industry is and um it was it was very much very very close to life but i remember when uh oh gosh i'm dating myself i don't even know what year <laughs> this was sometime in the 90s and they had reba had sequin gate um <laughs> she wore a dress and we're not talking like J-Lo and Versace, okay? We're mm-hmm. talking about it had a high split that went above the knee. <gasps> oh, my god! But she's covered everywhere else. And I remember the backlash she got. Blasphemy. People didn't want her because she was, it was for, I think it was for the CMAs she was hosting. And they didn't want her to host anymore because she had this big slit. Big split. Slit, slit, split. They had, <laughs> regardless, she had one. And um, that was considered very immodest in country radio now you look yeah now you've got noah cyrus performing in a in in a sheer skin suit right and and receiving backlash for that right you know yeah which is completely different than having uh, having a slit you know yeah i mean i've seen some of the costumes that that you know carrie underwood wears Mm -hmm. you know it's just kind of um where now it's just it just seems like it's gotten to be a different different thing and then they embraced little nas x which is just a whole different <laughs> <laughs> which is a whole other rodeo that's a whole, yeah so to speak because yeah. so, i was uh that that one blew me away i was like hmm, where are we going with this country music <laughs> well they didn't accept him they he he's still not accepted and especially lately with his oh, yeah. his, his new music that's come out his yeah. satan shoes yeah yeah real blood yeah <laughs> <laughs> I uh, laughed when I saw the video, but I mean, I knew what he was trying to accomplish. <laughs> it's not supposed to be taken seriously, but um, but yeah, that was. I remember Old Town Road won. I want to say Song of the Year at the CMAs. Mm. It was one of the bigger awards. Yeah, and and I think and we and my husband and I were talking about that, and he said, well, that had to do with Billy Ray being on it, yeah. and that they probably, had to add him yeah. in order for it to even get radio airplay. Well, and even that, you know, you look at like Florida Georgia Line. Mm-hmm. They're not country, country, country. And they have, I mean, they have songs that they do with pop artists, multiple, right? right. That are very got, successful. They got one with Nelly right now. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, it's kind of this interesting thing where they're going into a different domain, and it's like, and you know, as a result of that, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, country's bleeding into into pop, especially mm-hmm. nowadays, and in rap and hip hop, and and it's really interesting how genres are starting to branch out and 
be more inclusive of other genres, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, if that's <laughs> how to say that. But yeah, it's it's. I, I think country music in general is evolving as well as music in general mm-hmm. as a whole. Casey Musgraves hasn't uh, had a really, she's had a really successful career, especially considering her lack of like radio support that mm-hmm. she got because she didn't get that much. Um, probably more so now than I guess she would have, but she's not someone I hear on the radio. But. And some of that stuff did cross over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but... But then you have somebody like Maren Morris. Yeah. That just, like, seamlessly goes yeah. back and forth between country and pop. Yeah, just did a song. And soulful. In, and, yeah. You know, soulful. Uh, not just regular pop, but soulful pop, you know. And, yeah, she's just been able to... So Casey's done some of the same things. She said that, you know, in the male-dominated industry, they have these expectations of women to be extra accommodating, accessible sexy and kiss assy is, mm-hmm. is um what Musgraves has said and that's why she says that she's not that way and that's what she believes she does not get as much attention in country music and in radio but well what's interesting though is that there are other genres that will take her mm-hmm. i mean she, she can be on adult contemporary radio for the rest of her life yeah she's well she's got that whole cosmic type of yeah aesthetic and vibe and, and it's so it's really unique to her I think that alone and that and her her love of the marijuana (laughs) (laughs) that alone I think is what garnered her a lot of fans outside of country right her her and Willie Nelson (laughs) get along just fine yeah (laughs) hang out together probably yeah yeah she's met him she did a Rolling Stone interview talking about it but (laughs) it hasn't hurt Willie's career (laughs) yeah No, and well, he's a man. I don't know if that has too much to do with it, but mm. so the data has shown that the four number one songs for female artists between 2013 and 2016 on country music were separated by significant periods of male domination. For instance, 72 weeks separate Taylor Swift's final week at number one with her "We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together." And the rise of power duo Miranda Lambert and Carrie Underwood's something bad. Mm -hmm. 72 weeks before you have a a number one single that. Well, Taylor Swift took her her, took her guitar and (laughs) she left. She ran for the hills. (laughs) She's like, forget y'all. I'm going to go over here and I'm going to release because that I do believe that was the last song she had before uh, 1989. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Her label had tried to convince her. She said, you know, I want to do an all-pop album. And they told her, you know, can you do, like, at least four country songs? Can you just, like, this is great, but we need country. She said, mm, no, you know, I'm just going to, no. I'm going to go and I'm going to do my own thing. And then it won album of the year for mm-hmm. the second time for her. That album is huge. Yeah. It's really, really big deal. But and now she's like, forget pop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she's the Let's only... Let's just do alternative. <laughs> she's the only artist. Not only is she the only woman to have as many album of the years under her belt alongside some of the greatest musicians of all time, but she is the only musician right now to have best album of the year for three different genres. I'm waiting for her to put out her mixtape. I... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that rap song she did? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, a, a, it's either that or rock. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I mean, it's going to be one of the, one of the I mean, two. Miley, I Miley did it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, or just, chamber music. I don't know. She's going <laughs> to. Some EDM. <laughs> yeah. 
uh, just just flashbacks to Thug Story in my head <laughs> right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it, it's it's crazy. Seventy two weeks. That's over a year. Yeah, yeah, and but that's not even the most. That's not even. There's eighty five weeks between Underwood's final week of number one, something in the water, and Kelsey Ballerini's Peter Pan. Eighty five weeks. That's absolutely absurd to me because I mean I know other women musicians obviously had songs come out at that time, including these women. They had their own, you know, other singles that were coming out, and and that that is so berserk to me <laughs> that such right. a long amount of time had passed before those had reached number one. What I find interesting is um, you have somebody, if you look at like the Country Music Awards, Miranda Lambert has won numerous times for Song of the Year. Mm-hmm. So why isn't it a number one song? You, see, you have to kind of look at how they, they gauge that. You know, mm-hmm. is that self-reporting from the radio stations themselves? Yeah. You know, um, or is that based on sales? And also, where do those sales come from, too? Mm-hmm. You know, the uh, billboard and, and sound scan and all that um, that tracks sales. And it's kind of interesting because it's been so, uh, you know, it took them a while to just get used to certain types of sales. You know, digital sales are a whole different animal. Yeah. So, I mean, it just depends on if they're self-reporting. But, yeah, that's kind of strange because then you look at Song of the Year. Mm. Maybe maybe the song maybe isn't as popular as far as airplay is concerned, but is, you know, is revered among critics. Mm. Yeah, and I believe those, those were taken directly from the radio. Mm. I think that's where those statistics had come from. Yeah, that's, I mean, I could see Miranda Lambert and Carrie Underwood because that's, you know, that's ratings in the making right there. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be number one on all the, ra- the request shows. Yeah. I probably would have added it on my station too, even if it wasn't country. <laughs> they are they are a powerful duo. Yeah, you know them as individuals are already so powerful. So put them together, something bad is about to happen, mm-hmm. <laughs> or bad in a good way. You know, Carrie Underwood will key her car. Yeah, <laughs> I would pay for Carrie Underwood to key my car. <laughs> I <laughs> carve her name into, <laughs> into my seats. Yeah, <laughs> please. <laughs> uh, yeah. What a woman. All jokes aside, country music still has a ways to go to better support and represent women in their genre. This, of course, is the case across all music genres, and I'll be talking more about this in episodes to come. So be sure to follow the Women in Music podcast for more. That wraps up this episode. Tune into the next episode where we talk about sexual harassment and assault in the music industry. Until next time, this has been Tara Summers. 